How's it going? Welcome to Wander on the Way, a show that is an ode to hours spent in coffee shops, late night get-togethers with friends, walks outside, and long car rides. Basically, all the times and places we get a moment to slow down to be present with ourselves and those around us. My name is Josh Perry, and I'll be your companion today for a little while. Join me and my occasional guests as we take a look at all the messy little details of being human. And remember, you're not lost as long as you say you're wandering. Welcome everyone to Wander on the Way. This is episode three. Uh, as I mentioned back in, in the introduction, this is actually the first of five episodes that I'm recording all as a big batch that are being released all at once. Uh, and so the orders and the topics and everything is a little bit um, not not random, but we're a little scattered all over. From this point on, after these first five episodes, my intention is to uh, release two episodes a month with the the first episode will be a guest, someone that I'm talking with either about their own lives, about their own philosophies, or possibly about a topic related to some of the other issues that we'll be discussing in the show. And then the second podcast each month is going to be uh, a solo conversation. Yeah, I want to say conversation, but uh, I guess you and I are having a bit of a conversation, even if it might be one way. Um, the idea is going to be something maybe a little bit closer to like going to a, a lecture or a class or a sermon, like all of these kind of things where somebody maybe has a message um, and it, we're going to talk about some sort of a topic. And that'll, that's kind of picking up uh, here from March onward. Uh, you'll get those two episodes at a time. Today, I'm here to talk about surrender. And this is a topic I've been thinking about quite a bit lately um, and trying to use a little bit more deliberately a little more intentionally in my own life there i have a handful of kind of topics and ideas that i want to get through uh today so i'll give you a brief outline of what to expect on today's show first i want to discuss a little bit about all the stuff that comes up when i use the word surrender so the things that you might be immediately thinking about the associations that you have um and I'm sure, like, I'm only going to touch on a couple of the things I think are most relevant to the show today, but please feel free to reach out and let me know what else you think about when, when we bring up the term and when we use the term. Then uh, I'll talk a little bit about some of the ways in which we are already surrendering um, that we might not even realize, and about maybe why that is the case, right? There are, there are definitely some reasons for why we might be surrendering um, once we kind of explain or dig into this idea of what surrender is in the first place. Uh, after I get through some of that and, and we sort of set the stage, I'm going to share a couple of ways that I use surrender in my own life in order to uh, accomplish some things or ways in which surrender has been beneficial to me in particular circumstances. And hopefully there are things that you can take away from this episode and, and immediately put into use yourself if they're uh, valuable to you. And finally, I, I want to conclude um, the day by talking a little bit about just more in general, how we can use surrender in a deliberate and an intentional fashion, uh, because I, I think that we can find particular circumstances uh, and particular moments in our life where surrendering 
to something beyond us outside of our control is beneficial and useful. Uh, and then it, along with that, recognizing that we do have a choice in the matter to some extent. So we can think of it as this is a this is a tool. This is a way that we can um, kind of practice our own personal philosophies or we can move in, in the world that can be beneficial to us under certain circumstances. So we're, we're kind of drawing a, a cautious line of like, okay, you don't want to fully give in to something. You do want to examine uh, your own life for those opportunities where you might be able to break away from a system or from a framework that isn't serving you. And you also want to look for opportunities where diving into those systems is actually really useful and beneficial. Um, the the very last thing uh, of this episode, and I think this may be a, a feature of some of the solo podcasts, is I'm going to conclude with a chapter out of the Tao Te Ching that I think uh, is relevant to today's topic, today's to today's conversation. And I don't want to provide a tremendous amount of commentary on that chapter, which is part of why I'm going to leave it to the end. Uh, there are a lot of resources out there where if you're curious about digging into some of the the meanings and the context of the chapter you can find lots of information through other podcasts or blogs or journals or books or any of this kind of stuff um so for the most part i'm just going to leave it there i'm going to read off a chapter that i think is relevant to the conversation today and i'll let you uh think about it spend a little bit of time after the episode kind of wrestling with it yourself and, and seeing what you think so with all that let's get on into it then so the first thing that I really want to uh, discuss with this, as I said, was talking a little bit about what comes up when I use the word surrender. What immediately jumps to mind and what are the sorts of imagery and connotations that, that you know pop up for us. Uh, again, I, I invite you to reach out once you've listened to the podcast and let me know if there's things that you think about that I'm not touching on. Um, the, the first thing that pops into my mind when I'm thinking about surrender uh, is I picture uh, like war stories and, and movies and books and novels and all these things that you hear. Oftentimes, uh, the word surrender to me feels like uh, it brings up this image of fighting and losing, right? It's the people who lose the fight often uh, one of the choices that they have, if you want to think of it this way, is to surrender to the, the, the winner, um, and typically in a lot of media, this is seen as a bad thing, as a, perhaps even a cowardly move or is an admittance of defeat. And certainly, I think in the U.S., we tend to glorify a little bit more of the, the other side of it, right? Being so committed, having such strong convictions that you will fight with everything you've got. You will leave everything out there, uh, even to the point of sacrificing yourself uh, rather than surrender to something. And so I, I think we, we get very heavily influenced by some of these ideas uh, to the point where I think surrender as a concept, especially when we use that word, winds up having a lot of negative connotations to it. Um, we tend to feel very badly about it. And like I said, we even may associate words like cowardice. You know, somebody who surrenders is is giving up and that those are bad things, right? Um, but there are other circumstances where even in those same contexts thinking about like the the war stories where surrender is used as the intelligent thing right um 
there's a kind of a common turn of phrase it's live to fight another day right the idea of like maybe retreating from a battle or or even like being forced to into a position where you have to surrender that it, it can be better or more more intelligent more strategic wiser or something to surrender for the time being but not give up right we still hold on to that like okay i'm i'm just biding my time now but i will ultimately be successful in the long run even if i surrender kind of temporarily um so it winds up becoming a strategic decision right um i still think that a lot of this is grandiose it doesn't necessarily relate to us as individuals um and that there are a lot of ways that we surrender in more subtle or uh, unexamined ways in our lives and we'll, we'll get into that in a couple of seconds with with things like work and, and our identity and stuff um, at the core of each of these concepts is generally that surrender relies on kind of giving up yourself so losing your own autonomy your own free will um, control over the the course of what you're you're working on or, or the course of your life um, there's often a dominance. There's something else, something outside of you is asserting its plan for you instead. Uh, but it, it can also be maybe a little bit more positive or a little bit more subtle where it includes something like integration or assimilation, right? You might be surrendering, but you become a part of a newer, bigger whole. Um, and so you might have to give up a, a former way of life, but you're promised a new way of life and, and you can continue to kind of operate under the new structure. Um, and you see this play out with with other sorts of ideologies as well as this idea of giving up something individual for something else that is is outside or beyond us outside of our control usually the art of war actually brings up a lot of pretty interesting ideas and, and typically we when we hear about the art of war we might think of that it's a strategy manual of how to be successful be victorious and it is a little bit but it is in maybe a little bit more counterintuitive way um, for example, in this particular context, the, there's a, a passage in the Art of War that it says that um, to take a state whole is best; to destroy it is second best. And the the idea or the principle there is like if you can kind of take over the state or, or win the battle without fighting, which causes harm and damage, then you get to keep the thing whole. So. It is generally, in the, the aggressor point of view, better not to destroy the thing, right? You, you want to win without fighting as much as possible. Um, and so that idea of integration, of assimilation, is usually better and more preferential to the, the side that is, is winning, right? That is asserting the dominance. So beyond what's happening there, uh, thinking about something that's much more real for the rest of us is we've all been living with COVID for a couple of years. And most of us have been forced to surrender in some way to how that has impacted our lives. Um, some people have really, really, really gone out and fought against it and tried to maintain some of their, their former lives and, and the things that uh, they did pre-COVID. Um, but I think most of us have had to adapt in some way or shape or form. Uh, and some of us, perhaps even more willing than others, that we... We've even been a little bit excited by the opportunity uh, that the the pandemic has brought, the disruption that it has brought to to do something new and, and creative with that. Um, so bringing this a little bit back, 
now grounding it into this idea of surrender. The in all of these situations, as well as a lot more of the the mundane things that we may face, there is something beyond our control that is exerting some kind of influence to us, and that that's where the the concept of surrender I think finds its home here. So we're not talking about losing a fight necessarily, but that there are things that are outside of our control that are bigger than us that are beyond us that exert some kind of influence oftentimes a controlling influence and we have a choice of kind of resisting that or surrendering to it um we here in the u.s um really prefer resistance i think more than anything else like we love these stories of uh, going up against the big thing and f pushing back, especially against all odds. We love this image, uh, even though we're some of the biggest players in, in the world right now. Um, but so this is this is what I would say is a very young approach, right? If I'm borrowing some ideas from Eastern philosophy here, um, that young approach is, is more aggressive. It, it's more about the fight and you may be victorious, but it may take a toll on you at the same time. Whereas the young approach is more like, you know, being a, a boat that's kind of floating on the water and the water is controlling where you're going. Um, and But if you go with it, you you may find that things are a little bit easier for you in the end. So I want to take a second, I guess, to, to change the script a little bit, to get away from that yang approach and, and direct us more toward a bit more of that yin approach. Um, so I don't want to think of us as surrendering to a lot of these kind of weary and defeated tones where uh we may have these stigmas associated with, with the idea of surrender that we are we're losing we're, we're being defeated we're giving up right make it a little bit more positive right we're intending on on surrendering we're going with something right the the conditions around us are changing and we're going with them we're surrendering to that that idea instead um and now when you think about it in those ways you see that Obviously, there, there, there are a lot of other examples of this where you're not necessarily fighting, but it's, it's about these things that are exerting their influence. So these could be societal structures, um, things like, say, gender roles for uh, a good one that's kind of in our, our current very public discourse, I think. Uh, they could be philosophical frameworks. They could be ideological frameworks, things to do with your political positions and, and things like that. And we surrender to all of this stuff uh, on a pretty regular basis. These kinds of frameworks uh, tend to provide for us prescribed sets of actions, beliefs, behaviors, uh, and I think importantly, answers to common problems and questions that may cause us to break free of those frameworks. For example, most of the adults in our society uh, have jobs. We, we work for a living. And we're encouraged to have career ambitions. We're encouraged to grow in our careers over time and people that don't have those ambitions are often kind of looked at with a little bit of suspicion uh, to the point where you may reach a point uh, in your own life or in your own career where you say something like maybe i don't have to work and immediately you may be asking yourself this or but certainly you'll be asked by people in your life uh, things like, then, then what will you do? Uh, how will you support yourself? And those are the kinds of things that I'm talking about as we're talking, as I explain this idea of like answers to common questions, right? 
to think about this maybe even a little bit more broadly, uh, I tend to think of this concept of surrender as a bit like being on a rail car. As a passenger in that car, you're being carried along with a set path that has a few particular stops along the way. Now, in reality, you're probably more like the conductor or the driver of that, that train um, because you actually maybe have to do the effort that takes you to go from stop to stop to stop. But there's still this idea of a prescribed path, right? You know where it is you have to go. You know what you have to do to get there. You know what steps have to be taken. So things like you have to step on the gas here. You have to turn there. Uh, all of this stuff is sort of laid out for you and you know what, what to expect. For many, following that kind of a path, this is what I'm talking about with surrender. And that can be remarkably comfortable. Uh, I have had plenty of conversations across my career with friends and colleagues and students um, where people want that path to be laid out for them. There, there's a, a tremendous amount of uncertainty. There's a lot of anxiety that comes with not having a prescribed path in front of you. Um, in my own experience, there's, uh, I've, I've heard this word a lot, the liminality, right? When you're in this position of, of transition, uh, and there's a lot of uncertainty and, and you're kind of feeling around in the fog because you don't know where exactly it is that you're headed. Um, and that's really unsettling when you're in those positions. It can be really, really stressful and, and you shouldn't necessarily be staying in that for long. And so people are drawn to the answers, drawn to having a clear set of objectives in front of them and, and knowing what to do. Um, so in that way, surrender can be really, really, really comforting. Um, it may be restrictive, as we've talked about already in the episode, with like this this other thing outside of you imposing uh, its will, its rules, and and restrictions and, and behaviors and all that stuff. Um, but that can be comforting because you do not have to think about some of these things that are unsettling and difficult. There are certainly people out there, I'm sure, who would argue that that's the point that growth happens when you're feeling uncomfortable, um, and I agree. But I think there are times and places where you might want to seek out that comfort, right? You want some relief from the discomfort at, at least some of the time. Um, again, way, way deeper conversation I think that we could get into with that. Um, I think this would be a, a great topic to have uh, with one of my future guests actually kind of bouncing some of these ideas back and forth. So I, I don't think that surrender is inherently a bad thing. Um, but I think these types of things left unexamined can be maybe too restrictive. They can shape our lives in unintended ways. So instead, the rest of the show uh, is going to focus on what we might be able to do to be a little bit wiser um, and to use this often kind of maligned attitude of surrender in a way that's beneficial to us um, because it's not all bad. Right? To give you a couple of examples uh the ways that i've used this this idea in my own life i want to talk first off about a concept that i picked up from julia cameron uh, in a book called the artist's way and you may be familiar with it you may have heard of it here or there uh, but it's called the morning pages the other concept that i briefly want to talk about uh, after that is the Kind of making decisions, I guess, as a way of thinking about how we might be able to surrender into some decision-making process or a way, a different way of doing it. So the first one, uh, the artist way. This this talks about a concept called the morning pages, and I've I've talked about this a little bit to people here and there, but not on this podcast yet. So the basic principle of it is, 
ideally the very first thing you do before anything else in the day, before getting up and showering, before breakfast, any of that stuff, is you wake up and you write. You you know, get a, a notebook or I like to use my computer. Um, and the goal in a way is to write three pages just free writing. Whatever is coming to your mind, you put it out on paper. Just get it out right away. Uh, you're not carefully editing. You're not carefully choosing your words. Uh, now, I do edit a little bit as I go just because I can on, on the computer, but it's mostly because I might start a sentence um, kind of talking about something and part of the way through thinking, I think about it in a little bit differently or I, I realize that I've now like maybe contradicted myself or something. So I do modify a little bit of what I do. But the I, the main idea here is that and how it relates to this this concept of surrender is um i have had lots of moments especially in developing this podcast where i have set out kind of to make an outline and to get some ideas on the page and get started with coming up with what i want to say on the podcast and then i get trapped i i fall into this moment where uh you know i've got lots of ideas and i'm trying to figure out okay well what makes sense how do these things connect and all this stuff and while i'm trapped in that state of mind I'm not making any progress. I'm not making any kind of content at all. And it feels more like I'm waiting for some kind of inspiration to strike me so that I can just get it all down in, in one, one shot. What I've discovered is when I feel some of that trap, when I feel some of that anxiety, one of the best things I can do is give myself over to this, this morning pages idea. So in the development of this very episode, I felt this, right? I was coming up with lots of ideas and I was weighing, okay, well, how am I going to structure the episode and what is the message I want to do? And I wasn't making any progress. So I finally recognized that, that that was going on. And I said, okay, well, let me, with all of the stuff I've got, let me just start writing something. And that's literally what I started writing. Like the, the first couple sentences were, were things along the lines of, you know, I'm feeling kind of trapped right now. I don't really know what direction I'm trying to take. And so I'm thinking about how to structure this and, and et cetera, right? I'm, I'm just putting my thoughts out there. And within the first paragraph of what I was writing, it occurred to me that that process is literally what I was talking about. The fact that I had a system that I could go to um, where I don't have to think about these things and, and I have this tool that allows me to get ideas out onto paper and to start working through them and start figuring out how they relate to each other, how they interconnect and what the overall narrative is going to be. And that is a remarkable way of surrendering to a specific system, a specific framework and a specific tool that winds up being very useful. So I've, I've been using this uh, morning pages concept for uh, several months now. Um, I, do, I don't adhere to it as strictly as uh, the, the author puts it out there where it's supposed to be an everyday thing, the first thing in the morning. Uh, but I've definitely been using it as a tool to help kind of keep me going, you know, keep some of the ideas flowing in a way that makes a little bit more sense. And there are times when maybe I'm not working on projects and I have a little bit more time that I really enjoy getting into that uh, the morning pages process. I think it's a great way of of kind of sifting through a lot of the thoughts that we have during the day and some of the content that we might take in and things like that. So I highly recommend that particular practice and looking into it to figure out if, if you might find it useful yourself. The other thing I'll say is don't be afraid to play with it, to modify it, right? I almost never do it first thing in the morning. And in fact, I'm not sure I ever have, right? 
Uh, I just can't stand it. The first things I do in the morning is I get up and I go to the bathroom and I make, make some breakfast, right? After all that is usually when I would do it, sometime maybe around 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. Um, but even then, a lot of the times, it would be the last thing I did all day. So I might spend my day working or reading, taking in kind of new content, and I wanted a space and a time to process some of it. And so the last point in the day would be when I would sit down and do some of that. So it, the structure exists, and I'm sure she has her reasons for why it exists the way it does. And I'm going to borrow from it. I'm going to take it, I'm going to modify it, but there's a system, there's a tool, and I can surrender to it. The second thing I said I would talk about is decision-making. And there, there's two approaches that uh, I and, and also my wife will use with some regularity that I find has really helped to strengthen some of the decision-making that I've done and to avoid one of the other kind of character flaws that I find myself having, which is a tremendous amount of indecision. Um, so let me paint a quick little picture for you. You want to go out to eat. And there are a lot of options about what you could eat, and all of them feel equally valid and, and good, and none of them speaks to you any stronger than any of the rest, right? Um, so how do you decide which to do? Well, one of the ways that we resolve this kind of situation, the things that we resort to, is a random number generator, right? Generally speaking, all of the options are acceptable. None of them is above or below anything else. So what does it matter? What, why does a decision really make a difference, right? The important thing is that a decision is made because otherwise it's going to take forever to go to the restaurant uh, or, to, or to cook or whatever it is, right? So I really don't care. I'll, I'll leave it into the hands of randomness and that, that'll make the decision for me. Once the decision is made, I can execute that decision. So this is a great way of, of surrendering it into some of your decision-making. But it, it takes a little bit of awareness to recognize that things are relatively even, that you really don't care what the answer is, as long as that there is an answer. Um, the other part of this, and this is a, a pretty common approach I think a lot of people have taken for some, especially yes-no decisions, is flipping a coin. And I think there's a couple of good reasons for it. One is that if you really don't care then you'll go with whatever the answer is, right? You flip a coin and it comes up heads, whatever you assign to heads, okay, that's what you do. Um, it makes it easy to make that decision. The challenge, though, is we often have some emotions wrapped up in it, too, and we have, uh, we might be weighing between, let's see, the should I do this versus what do I want to do, right? And so the challenge is like, oh, okay, the, the thing that I should do is the answer that comes up and I, I still feel resistance and ah man I, I i don't like that so that's new information that you can factor into the equation right if if the uh answer comes up and you don't like it and you really want to do the other thing maybe do the other thing right you you've found a way of identifying that there is a lot more weight. It is not an evenly balanced situation that can be decided with a coin flip. Instead, uh, if you're thinking still probabilistically, maybe it's rolling a die and on a one and a two, you do something. And on a four, a three, four, five, six, you do the other thing, right? So there's, there's some weighted distribution there. Um, so this, these are all kind of little tools that you can let go of the the difficulty of making a decision by having a system in place but the the other way that i get through especially this like i i, I want to do this or i i really don't want to do this versus i should do this um the other way i do this is is what i call um kind of your default decision 
uh, or to give it maybe a little bit of a catchier name, I like the the word yes unless. And so the the prime example I have here is uh, in in my own life, especially if I've just been out, right? If I've been out of the house and I come back home and I realize that I've forgotten something, or maybe oh I, crap, I have I meant to go get groceries or something. Um, and now I'm stuck in the situation of like, ah, but I'm home and I really don't want to go back out and ah, I've got all this like inertia. Right? I don't want to do this, this thing that I know I have to do or I should do. Um, and so I get caught again in this, this indecision between, um, I should go out and, and do this thing that I know I, I really have to do, um, versus, but I don't really want to do it. And so what I find is that I end up stewing for a long time on this idea of like eh, should i go do this i don't know and i would rather not be in that position right that it is an unpleasant experience and it wastes a lot of time so i want to try to come to a decision quickly that i can actually just take action on and so i kind of developed this idea of the yes unless because i should have a default answer right if for no other reason there should be something that is done and it's either move on or do the thing, right? Those are the two ways I can get through that very quickly. So in a situation like that, where I'm deciding whether or not I should go do the groceries, the answer is yes. Yes, you should. You should go do groceries, right? Um, but unless there is a compelling reason not to. And in this way, you have a default decision that is made so you can quickly go do the thing and you aren't wasting time in, in action. You aren't wasting emotional energy trying to come to a conclusion that you feel good about. You, you just take action. It, it helps to kind of speed up and, and clarify what you're doing. Um, but sometimes you might have a good reason for why you don't want to do the, that alternative, and that should be enough to make you do something else, right? An alternative solution. But either way, the decision gets made, and you can move on with your life. So both of these are, are good, strong concepts that I like to use um, semi-regularly. Right? I, I definitely use both of these systems, the morning pages and the, this kind of default decision-making. Uh, and they're there are things that I think of that relate very strongly to this concept of surrender because um, you are effectively giving up your own decision power, your own free will, your own uh, autonomy or something for the sake of the rules of that system. And the rules will govern what happens as opposed to you. Obviously, you can make up your own rules and develop your own system. And so, yeah, it gets a little bit gray, but the idea is... Once you do, you have something that you can defer to, and, and it, you're surrendering to that concept. And the last message that I want to leave you with today uh, is be deliberate about your use of surrender. Earlier, I talked a little bit about this idea of uh, examining your own life and taking a look at the ways in which maybe you are already surrendering to other kinds of customs and norms and and standards and all that stuff that maybe society has put on you or maybe your your culture your religion your family all these things and rather than pushing back entirely against the use of surrender look for the ways that you can surrender to systems that will serve you uh, ultimately i like the idea of trying to empower people to have more intentional more deliberate um, action and I think using surrender in a specific way, you're setting yourself aside to allow for something to happen much more effortlessly because you're giving yourself into a system. But I don't want 
people to be lost in those systems. I want people always to recognize that you have choices, you have the ability to ask critical questions and to examine any of the systems that you're coming across and any of the systems you're using. So anything that I might be suggesting to you, I want you to take as suggestions. You know, there, there are things that in my experience have been uh, useful and have worth worthwhile, things that have worked for me, but they might not work in exactly the way that I'm presenting them to you. And I want you to be able to take them, to play with them, you know, give yourself to them for a little bit, but ask that question of whether or not it makes sense and to do that in other areas of your life as well. To end the episode a little bit with uh, an example of being deliberate and being intentional with this. There was an interview uh, on the On Being podcast by Krista Tippett. Uh, ironically, she's not the one hosting this particular interview. That's a, a colleague or a friend of hers, Pico Iyer, is, is doing the interview. But they're interviewing a woman named Elizabeth Gilbert, uh, who is the author of Eat, Pray, Love. And uh, they're talking a little bit about some of the loss that she had experienced in her own life, as well as entering the early days of the COVID pandemic. And I remember from that interview, one of the things that she had said is that kind of if she could go back again into those moments, she would have wanted to enter into COVID, especially with a greater sense of surrender, less of a sense of resistance. And I think that's one of the key things here is that resistance, you know, that that fight can bring us a lot of uh, anxiety and uncertainty. And also, we may not necessarily have anything to show for it at the end. But adopting a bit more of a stance of surrender, we can move more easily, more smoothly through these circumstances that may otherwise be pretty rough and pretty challenging. Um, this is way, way easier said than done. And it takes a lot of maybe practice and awareness and, and attention to be able to sit there and recognize whether you're resisting or surrendering. But I, I found that this sentiment was so true in the looking around me in, in the early days of the COVID pandemic, there were a lot of people who were very shaken, who were uh, carried away by some of the hype and the anxiety around it. And there were other people who were much more at ease, right? They were recognizing that there was a major disruption, um, but taking a look at it for what it was and, and thinking, okay, how do I move so that I go along with it and stay on top as opposed to getting you know tossed around and and trying to resist it and trying to hold on to some sense of what was normal prior to the pandemic. What I hope you take away by thinking about some of these examples is that there are times when you might be seeking for some stability. You might be looking for some comfort and some def definiteness that you can just follow and do what is expected of you and know what is expected of you, and that that is tremendously comforting. Um, and I think we can use that to our benefit. I think there are there's a good case to be made for breaking outside these molds for the sake of growth, for being uncomfortable deliberately. Um, I, I would strongly encourage you to live kind of in both of these worlds. Um, but more specifically, what I really wanted to bring up today was kind of the positive benefits of surrendering to something. The, the last thing I will mention on this topic is... Uh, the, the other part of what I do, right? This podcast is, is a piece of everything that I've got going on. And the other piece is that I host events. Uh, I mentioned this briefly in my introduction episode, but there's two primary events that I, that I host on a weekly basis. 
the the first one that I think is most relevant to today's topic is uh, related to what I've done for my students, which was called The Long Night Against Procrastination. And the basic premise of the event is you might have a project, something that you need to work on to get done. Uh, for example, right now we're in the midst of tax season and I haven't done mine yet, but, and I imagine probably some of you out there listening may need to do some taxes as well and you keep putting it off. So this event is, is a prime example. You can come in, bring that thing that you need to work on, that you know you need to work on, and maybe you're putting off and, and avoiding. And there's a structure in place that you can surrender to, right? You, I help you get through some of the, the anxiety, some of those negative feelings, some of that resistance that you feel by saying, come on in, I'll let you know when it's time to work, when it's time to take a break, and you'll spend the next two to three hours uh, just making progress on, on what you have to accomplish. People pretty universally that attend these events are amazed by how much they actually are able to get done and how quickly that time goes. And it's as simple as that. It's surrendering to a simple structure with some simple rules, and it is time-bound, so you're not giving up or giving into it forever. It's just a handful of hours, right? The easy way to think about it is if it is difficult to carve out time to do something because there's always a, something else that could be better, well, this is one of those things that allows you to protect that time. You know that you have to do this, and so you can set aside the time for this particular event. I host another similar kind of event um, that's more about like just taking time to slow down, to do something quiet, inward, reflective, because again, it can be very difficult for us to make the, that time for ourselves. And being able to come into an environment where there are some clear rules, some clear expectations of how you're going to use that time really allows you to let go and, and just kind of fall into it and say, this is what I'm doing for this next hour. And both of them, I think, are tremendously helpful from that standpoint. And finally, on today's episode, I want to leave you with some parting words. Um, I've picked out a chapter from the Tao Te Ching that I think touches on some of these same concepts that we're talking about. This idea of forces moving outside of us beyond our control that exert these big influences on us and the ability to surrender to them rather than pushing back against them. I'll leave you with the words as translated by Philip J. Ivanhoe um, in chapter 29 of the Tao Te Ching. Those who would gain the world and do something with it, I see that they will fail. For the world is a spiritual vessel, and one cannot put it to use. Those who use it, ruin it. Those who grab hold of it, lose it. And so, sometimes things lead, and sometimes they follow. Sometimes they breathe gently, and sometimes they pant. Sometimes they are strong, and sometimes they are weak. Sometimes they fight, and sometimes they fall. This is why sages cast off whatever is extreme, extravagant, or excessive. With those words from the Tao Te Ching, I wish you a good rest of your week, or a good rest of your day, whatever amount of time passes before I see you again. Thanks for listening. thank you 
for listening to the podcast and carrying the conversation out into the world. Music for this podcast is generously provided by Alexander Nakarada at www.serpentsoundstudios.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. Details in the description. If you'd like to come join the community, be a guest on the show someday yourself, you wish to support the podcast or just get in touch, find me online at wanderontheway.org. And until next time, go have a good conversation.